Donald Miller was only a toddler when his father left home for good. Left a big hole in his heart and a long list of negative consequences in his life. He speaks about being insecure, about feeling inferior, about shame, self-pity. Talks about his own life kind of falling apart as he really questioned authority, had a hard time making decisions, taking responsibility for his own life. In relationships, he had trouble with friendships, with dating, understanding love, sex. This was all real confusing. Integrity was not a thing of his life, and even in the workplace, he struggled and realized that all of this tended to go back to this vacancy he experienced in his life. He had uh, some substitute temporary fathers along the way, some not so good, some better. One in particular spoke uh, a word into his life to help him see that he really was good at writing. So that became something he's still known for, is his ability to write. Another took him into his home for four years in kind of his college years so that he could understand how a family functions. But still there was this, this deep gap in his own life. Along the way, he picked up some facts that were pretty interesting things, like he, he saw that a study of elephants showed that if these elephants in their adolescent years didn't have a mentor, a father, or someone who would be a father figure, they tended to grow up wild and destructive, even in the, in the wild itself. He recognized that tendency in his own life. Without that mentoring, navigating through adolescent years, he was a troublemaker. He also heard statistics like 70% of all those who drop out of school are seen to be fatherless. 85% of the men in prison, fatherless. And he started to see that this was the track he was on, but for some intervention. This kind of experience that he had was looking for an answer. He was hoping for some encouragement along the way. The temporary fathers were somewhat helpful, but it was real important for him to latch on to something else. I think he would agree with us today that fathers are flawed. They are going to let us down at certain points. Maybe not completely absent. Maybe they're present. Some of us may have experienced a present father who is abusive, and that's not at all better. Maybe a father was around but distracted most of the time and we really didn't have much of a relationship with him. Maybe some of us, they were just a decent dad, really did a good job and we're thankful this morning as we talk about the importance of fathers in our lives. Whatever that story is for you, and I'm sure it's, it's different throughout this whole place, I think we can all join with Donald Miller and his writing and in his ministry that extended through that into a mentoring program that's gone through hundreds of thousands of churches into saying that fathers, even if they're present, fathers are flawed. What's interesting is even the biblical fathers, we get a window into their lives as heroes of faith, 
we find that they often as fathers kind of let us down as, as real perfect models. You go back to Noah and you realize that shortly after the flood, he's found drunk in the biblical story and one of his sons sees him lying naked. Abraham had a tough time keeping his two sons, both loved, Ishmael and Isaac, under the same roof. Isaac was tricked into giving the birthright from Esau, his firstborn, to, to Jacob, who came next. Jacob showed favoritism to one of his sons, Joseph, caused a, a sibling rivalry that's dramatic enough to put into a musical. I mean, these track records go on and on. Eli, the priest, has uh, some sons that were abusing the priesthood. Samuel, the prophet, had sons who were immoral, known throughout the land, and that's why the nation went crying out for a king. David, the king, had children that were troublemakers, and he couldn't control them even to the point of one of his sons, Absalom, having a rebellion against his kingdom and dying a tragic death. Well, I think you get the track record, don't you? I mean, it's just any dad we look at in Scripture is going to come across with a certain number of flaws. That's just the way it is. And even when we turn to the New Testament and this little window into prayer from Jesus, he refers, and maybe you found it a little tough, he said, if you then who are evil, even you evil parents, you evil mothers and fathers, are able to give good gifts, he was recognizing that, yes, we're fallen, we're broken, we're sinful, we're selfish, and we're going to fall short of God's glory for sure. But even you humans falling short of God's glory know how to give good gifts to your kids. Typically, that's the case. But then the real point of the text is how much more. Those words are so important. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, in a way, the, the metaphor is not so much a comparison. It is that in part, but it's so much more a contrast. How much more is your heavenly Father able to do these good things? You think your, your dad is interested in, in helping you, as is the case with a decent dad. God is so much more interested in that. And in the context of prayer, he's ready to answer our prayers. He's willing, he's able. We don't have to go searching all around the house for him and knocking on all the doors for him. He's, he's right there open door policy. And so we find that the image of God the Father is what Jesus is pointing to, the, the perfect heavenly Father. And all we have here are some glimpses of what that's like, but always imperfect glimpses. I think it's the case that, that if our fathers here on earth do anything good, and they do, we ought to see them as just a glimpse of what God does so much better. And we take these things like even giving us life. Our dads gave us physical life. And 
Certainly, they need a partner in doing that. But they gave us life. They brought us up with some teaching, I trust, with some protection, with some provision, putting the food on the table, helping us navigate early life, maybe even discipline, which we needed when lovingly applied. But all of that is just a, a glimpse of what God the Father does by creating us, by giving us eternal life through Jesus Christ, by teaching us the ways to, to please him and live well in this world, to discipline us when we're getting off track, to provide for us, protect us, all those things that a dad does when he's healthy and the relationship is healthy here on earth, God does to the max in our lives spiritually. What we do in part, God does fully. And that's part of what I think we need to see in this imagery of God as our Father, is that all earthly metaphors, depictions, images, words that we use for God are all going to have a certain, yeah, God is kind of like that, but so much more. That's going to be the case with any word we pick, any word God picks, is he's trying to give us some insight, but if we push it too far, that image is going to fall apart on us because God is so much more than a dad. Let's say we choose for mom. Then we get a whole different set of issues and relational problems. Maybe we ought to just stay away from the family and go to king. Maybe king would work well, but think through history. Maybe instead of a king, how about a president? And then you start to see some, some humanity there too. Well, let's go with Lord. That's a good term, but Lord is really a medieval boss, and think about bosses today. They're, no matter what image you choose, it's going to fall short if you push it too far in representing the God who is so much more. How much more will your heavenly father do than your earthly dad could ever do? See, this is at the heart of Donald Miller's healing and I would suggest for any of us who are coming at this either with fatherless, blank imagery, or maybe a father image that's been broken and hurt because of something we earthly fathers have done wrong, um, that doesn't have to keep you from coming to know your heavenly father. Donald Miller says that the major breakthrough in his fatherlessness was to recognize God as father. And his substitute father, the one that invited him into his home for four years, named John, just happened to casually mention to him one day, you know, Donald, I think with, with God in our lives, with God as our father, none of us is really fatherless. And all of a sudden, things started to click for Donald, like none of us, none of us is fatherless. And then he started to think about it. And at first he thought it was a little creepy to think that God was going to be his father. It seemed almost like a, a breach of privacy for him. Wow, God's my father? All of a sudden I, a father bounces into my life and is constantly around watching everything I do. But gradually that became a more loving and supportive 
relationship for him in his, in his mind and his heart. And he came to the point where he wrote this book, Father Fiction, in which he tells this whole story of his life and what he was learning. It was reissued in 2010, and one of my favorite paragraphs goes like this. What I'm getting at is that the concept of a father may have been soiled for some of us. But it was important for me to realize who did the soiling. To be fair, it wasn't God. If I take the Bible as true, then God bears none of the negative characteristics of our biological fathers. And when I think of my own father as a living flashcard rather than a mirror image, I'm comforted that the one toward whom the metaphor grunts is vastly superior to the grunt itself. Let me repeat that again. I'm comforted by the fact that the one toward whom the metaphor grunts is vastly superior to the grunt itself. So I said this out loud. I want God to father me. He made that decision. I want God to father me. As we come to the table in a few moments, I want the father image to stay with us. That we would come here recognizing that long before God was fathering you and me and wanting that relationship with us, he was fathering in eternity his son, his eternal son. One of the things I've learned as a pastor and walking with some of you through life's blows, one of the toughest, if not the toughest blow, most stressful, upsetting life experience is the death of a child. To lose a child, and some of you know this closer than any of us want. But that pain, I'd like you to think about our Heavenly Father and realize that, as Scripture says, God did not spare his own son, didn't withhold him, but gave him up for us, for you, for me. God, the Heavenly Father, was willing to put himself in the most stressful sign of this fallen world and did it out of love for you and me. And we come to this table to remember that gift. We also, before the table, will give financial gifts to the Lord as part of our worship. And even that, you stop and think, he wants to give good gifts to us, the best gifts, gifts that are really good for us. All we're doing is just saying thanks for all those gifts as we give back to him this morning. So as we take the offering, as we come to the table, uh, let's say to the Lord, I want, I want God to father me.